Hello, and welcome to CyberChats, a podcast made by the National Cryptologic Foundation. I'm your host, Jen Langdon, and together we'll be demystifying the world of cybersecurity by talking with amazing cyber fanatics like you, as well as industry professionals. Our conversations in this episode illuminate the connectivity of our devices and how it's easy for people to find and access information about you. There's just no hiding in a digital world. You'll hear from intelligence expert Elliot, who goes in-depth about how open-source technologies, one of them being social media, are used to gather information. But first, we talk with college student Carissa, who shares a real-life story about how she witnessed firsthand the consequences that sharing on social media had on one of her peers. But our episode doesn't end with this chat. We have a way where you can test your ability to gather intelligence the same way Elliot does. This week's episode challenge will help you see for yourself just how easily you can find someone, starting with a simple picture. Participate on our website, cryptologicfoundation.org forward slash podcast. This challenge won't be around for long, so be sure to try it out and then tune in next week for the solution. Hi, everyone. My name is Carissa. I am currently a junior at UC Berkeley studying legal studies and computer science. And I'd say that cybersecurity, I did a lot of cybersecurity related things in high school, which made me sort of realize, oh, I want to do comp sci in college. But also, I also do have a passion for law and going into law school. So I decided to pick up legal studies as my double major. So you're doing all this coaching and you're basically creating, creating, helping create a nonprofit um, while attending college. <laughs> um, and you're pursuing courses about computers and law. So what is it about cybersecurity that's just driving you to be this passionate? Is there one thing in particular you can pinpoint? I think what I realized is that every single time I would learn something new about cybersecurity, I would just get so excited because it just reinforces the idea about how important and how fun it is to work with different people and how powerful it is to just learn about technology, especially since technology is advancing so quickly, right? And so I'm always just so shocked how there's always so many new things going on, right, with our world, especially just since we're evolving so quickly, right? And so I think taking these different like computer science classes, these legal courses, I sort of know what exactly I want to do in life. And it's not a cybersecurity specialist. It's not like an actual cybersecurity role, but I do want to pursue being a lawyer in the cybersecurity world. And so I sort of want to do both. And so I definitely know that I want to practice law. Guarding or specializing in cybersecurity laws and public policy. So I think it was only because of cybersecurity I was able to know my passion and what exactly I want to do in life. And also, just another thing is that I think cybersecurity, just the idea of it and just learning, always reminds me how, regardless of what background you have in technology, even if you have none, it's definitely all, it's definitely fine because whatever effort that you put in, you can honestly do anything. 
like I just like think about like my freshman year and I'm just like wow I genuinely did not know anything yeah you came so far like I feel like hearing you tell your story it really empowered you to find like who you were and like you said what your direction and passion was in life so a lot of this information that we've talked about like your um nonprofit work obviously cyber patriot k12 cyber talk all of this is information i was able to find out from you not just because i know you but it's on your social media free open to <laughs> find so um it's kind of what we call like you know open source information have you always been mindful of the information that you put out there I mean, you mentioned that you had only learned about cybersecurity as a freshman. Like, were those things at the front of your mind when you were beginning to learn about them? Right. And so I think um, it's actually really cool because I took a human rights class using OSINT, um, Open Source Information Investigation Methods. So we would like have to utilize open source information to solve human rights cases like at Berkeley. And like, it's so cool that you're talking about like open source information because it just like felt such like it was just very recent when I took that class. And obviously, I think it's very important to be mindful about the information being shared on social media because like you can honestly find anything, right? It's also important to know that I guess just like being aware about the future impact because whatever anyone posts on social media can have a long lasting impact on the future, right? I think things with like K-12 cyber talk and cyber youth tech, I want to spread it out to social media as much as I can, just so people can sort of know more about um, K-12 cyber talk and cyber youth tech, and they can actually use these resources. But I definitely think like my own personal information, like I definitely don't want to be posting my social security number or my credit card information, right? <laughs> and so. Another thing I kept in mind is that I enjoy creating content in general, right? And so I don't know if this is a really well-known fact, but I really enjoy creating food content. So I would go to a different restaurant and like sort of like record things and make a food review. And so typically that's like one of my favorite things to do just like as a side hobby. Carissa, we are going to need to connect over food. I'm going to need to see these links. No, yes, definitely. I'll, I'll send <laughs> after this entire podcast. But I think um, while I was like posting these food reviews, I just like kept into consideration, like it's important to sort of like be mindful about like how a post can affect like the future. I have a friend who... Um, in high school, I believe he made a mistake in terms of like what he posted on social media. And a lot of his like fans or his followers like all dug that up because like social media, there's like digital footprints everywhere, right? And they reported it to the dean of admissions saying, can you redact or his application because of his mistake in high school? And he had to go through a long um, like, hearing at Berkeley he he made a mistake and he acknowledged and apologized for it. But I just felt really bad because whatever you post in social media will always have a lasting impact. And I think just hearing that story from him just reminded me like, wow, I hope like everyone will be mindful about what they post in the future because it could affect college apps, job opportunities, personal relationships and so forth. But thankfully, he's still a junior at Berkeley as well, too. So 
everything got sorted out but just like just in general there's so many like stories about like what you post and it'll have its history everything has a consequence positive or negative right so safer internet day was february 7th and um i was wondering if you had any tips given our conversation about you know things you shouldn't share and the long lasting nature of social media um what would you share for somebody in grade school or in college um some tips they should consider before posting um making sure you use the privacy settings i believe many social media platforms have different privacy settings that you can that allow you to control who can see your posts and so using those settings can sort of allow you to limit the access of what you post and your personal information also just i guess this is also very like obvious but just like making sure you avoid sharing any personal information like your home address your phone number or like any financial information on social media that'll just prevent from like identity theft and online scams some friends i have that make their accounts public on instagram have gotten catfished like from diff- like a different accounts have catfished them so just be aware of that um i guess another thing is like language just like social media isn't like a private conversation and so whatever you post is permanent so i guess being mindful of the type of language you use making sure it's not offensive or considered harmful i think just another thing about our our like 2023 our generation cancel culture is definitely real and so just like being cautious about what you post i i would say and making sure that you know the people who can view your account your social media and so forth those are great tips um carissa we had so much fun talking with you today and um we're going to need to connect over food uh when we <laughs> end our conversation. So thanks again so much for taking the time to chat. Um, We love to keep in touch. So don't be a stranger uh, next year when you graduate and let us know what happens. Yes. Thank you so much. This flew by so quickly. I got to talk in person with self-attributed social media spy, Elliot Jardines, who is currently serving as the director of operations and treasurer of the OSINT Foundation. Elliot's entry into OSINT was from his 11 years in the Army, which led to him being appointed as a senior open source intelligence official. He's also worked for a number of companies and is president of Geonosis Solutions Incorporated. One big takeaway I had from this episode is just how much control companies have over our information. And I hope students like Carissa can use her background in cyber and law to help protect some of our information from being so easily accessible. So first, uh, what is OSINT? So uh, open source intelligence is publicly available information, right? So anybody, any member of the general public could get it through request, observation, or purchase. But isn't technology always changing and advancing? So how do you like keep up with that and at the same time become an expert at it? Do you know what I mean? That's always a challenge because the rate You know, and other intelligence professionals, the technology may not change as often. Mm. Um, But in open source, we have new tools that come online, new information sources every single day. To be good at open source, you have to like that evolving, 
you know, constant change. Um, and then you have to think outside of the box a lot in terms of, right, because we don't, we're not collecting this information directly. We're using something that somebody else put up there. So you have to think very creatively about, you know, who might have a need for this information and where might they have put it? So do you have to like be a part of the military to be in this sort of like, you know, information intelligence part or to get good at, at OSINT? So uh, no, actually it's done in a whole bunch of uh, disciplines or, or career fields. Uh, so the, obviously the military is one, mm-hmm. law enforcement is another. Uh, and then on the commercial side, there's a whole uh, industry, right? That does things like, we do open source intelligence to protect a CEO, right? Or a celebrity. In the business arena, it's done a lot for competitive intelligence, right? So if mm. we're both selling donuts and, uh, right, and I think you your prices are somehow way lower than mine and I'm trying to figure out how that is, right? Do you hack my internet? Do you go that far? So OSINT is publicly available information, mm. right? Request, observation, or purchase. But that publicly available part of the definition uh, is critical because anything you put online is fair game, Okay. right? So if it involves hacking, uh, pretending I'm somebody else. and Basically and, accessing something I right. probably should not right. have access to. Right. Then, yeah. then that's not open source. Got it. Right. Okay. So, so uh, that's no more, hacking. Right. But I could go s- walk over there if I wanted to, yeah. right? Right. Okay. I could observe, right? So I could send one of my guys to sit out back for days to figure out who sells you flour right? yeah. and who sells you sugar and whatever. Right. And then, so that's another area where open sources are used a lot. Um, and then also in emergency management, because people tweet, Hey, my house is flooding. Hey, I really need help. Right. And then we have commercial imagery, right. Which is satellite commercial satellites who take photos, right? So if you've used Google Earth, right, that's a great example. And then, you know, the other thing that's not a job, but a hobby, there are folks who are hobbyist O-centers. Um, and so there's an organization called Bellingcat. So it's B-E-L-L-I-N-G-C-A-T, Bellingcat. They were hobbyists who started doing um, open source research to figure out um, events that are happening overseas. Um, and so they discovered a whole bunch of lies that are perpetrated by um, you know, certain regimes, certain governments. So wow. you know, there's some great examples. Um, uh, when the Russians first invaded the Ukraine many years ago, um, they- We're talking Crimea? Yes, Ukraine? Crimea, okay. yeah. Um, they shot down an airliner and and so they denied that it was them and the bellingcat folks actually by looking at webcams and traffic cams and whatnot were able to figure out what vehicle shot the missile no way and then backtrack that um and they were able to right locate okay this is the exact vehicle it's a russian vehicle right so how did it get here from russia 
and they went backwards day by day. Wow. Um, and it helped that that vehicle had some unique markings on it. Um, but it was a Russian vehicle that was handed over to the separatists there in Crimea. And, you know, they shot it down thinking it was a, a, a Ukrainian Air Force yeah. jet. Um, and so and they denied it and denied it, but it was irrefutable evidence. Wow. Um, and then, you know, in Syria, the regime used chemical weapons against its citizens. And so they I believe they were able to do some research along that. So a lot of these kind of world events where um, you have regimes who are lying about killing people or yeah. arresting disinformation, people. misinformation. So this is a great tool to use to right. dispel a lot of that. Exactly. So our episode today is focused on discussing social media and its involvement mm -hmm. in OSINT. We've kind of touched on it a little bit, um, but it's also about, you know, ubiquitous connectivity, which is basically how all of our devices are constantly connected and they're connected in various ways and they're connected in a way that allows social media to access our data. Um, what kind of data are we sharing? You know, maybe it's inadvertent, you know, maybe I don't mean to share it. So can you give some insight on that? Yeah. So when we get a TikTok account, a uh, Instagram, Instagram popular. Right? yeah. You sign, right? You agree with the privacy policy, right. essentially. And yeah. One of the major revenue streams for these companies is selling information about you. Right. Yeah. Right. And so everything that you're doing is building a profile. Um, and so there are a few things, right? We ought to be careful with what's in the background. Yeah. The career field in the government is OSO, an open source officer. Okay. So our bread and butter right, is what else is in the picture, right? Because that might tell me where you're located, mm, right? It, like the pictures you share on right, your social, right. yeah. And so if you're in your room and you think you're anonymous posting something, but in the background are all your certificates or your trophies for this, that, or the mm, other thing, we can- This is my you know, school that yeah. gave me this award right. or and, I got this from a club right. that's local. And so then we can yeah. zoom in, right? And we can use software to help you know, if it's too fuzzy to read, we can improve that a bit. Um, so that's one thing, right? And then when you take a picture with a smartphone, it now adds uh, geotags, the coordinates of that precise mm -hmm. location. And so you have to be careful in your settings that you don't have that location turned on, right? So a good example is um, there's a, there's a Russian tourist and, you know, he was posing on the beach. Well, behind him were Russian anti-aircraft battery, mm. you know, of the whole system. Um, and so he had that location geotagged, right? And whether this is true or not, I, I don't know. I haven't seen the information. I haven't talked to the Ukrainians, but it has been widely reported in the media mm -hmm. that the tourists took that picture and then that that oh. site was bombed, right, um, by the Ukrainians to take out that Interesting. piece of equipment. So you have to be very careful, right, if you're doing any kind of interactions on social media, Instagram and whatnot. Um, that you ensure that that uh, geolocation is is turned off. But even then, like, and I'll continue using this example with uh, 
Russian soldiers using their phones because it is widely known that that has been a problem for them. So can you explain a little bit like how that's happening? Because even if you're a soldier and you take a picture and, you know, it's devastated behind you or, you know, there's a just plain building, how can they still like find your information, you know, other than like the exact coordinates? What if they, you know, take those off? Can you, is there still another way? Yeah. So, um, you know, if you're taking pictures of, uh, right. And you, you turn that off mm -hmm. and there are landmarks that are visible, right. Then you can, you know, Google, for example, has, uh, the, you, I forgot what it's called, but, um, you can go in and compare, you can upload a photo and Google say, Google images. Thank you. And, <laughs> and, sh uh, and show, you know, we have automated tools and so I don't use that, um, too often, but right. And so it will show you like, Similar images, right. photos. And yeah. so then, oh, uh, right, that mountain side or or that particular building or that monument has uh, an example, you know, has something yeah. unique. Um, and so, you know, the other thing is you start doing detailed analysis. There's um, a group of hobbyists who were trying to track somebody. And this person took a picture of where he was and he was wanted. And they figured out it was Canada just based on what was around. And so, well, they, they had an idea it was in Canada. And then, okay, well, we know he's in Canada. Where in Canada? Well, they looked and there was a street light. And that street light was only used in one place in Canada. What? <laughs> and they researched it and figured out that uh, it was, let's say it's Montreal. And Montreal has this these streetlights that aren't common anywhere else in Canada, that they have their own streetlights. And so they figured that out. Um, so that's and, one way to kind of narrow yeah, it and, down a lot. <laughs> yeah, and then they had a bunch of volunteers. And so they literally, you know, with that photograph, they went to Google Earth, the street view, and started virtually walking down every single street and boom, they, because they had a whole bunch of people doing it. Oh, cool. Right. And then, you know, the other way that people get found is um, something called ad tech, which is advertising technology. It's what it's short for. Um, and what happens is we all have cell phones and that cell phone has a unique subscriber ID. Um, so it's not the, inf not your phone number. Right. But the your SIM card, the little card that allows you yeah. to make phone calls has a unique number. The card that you get when you go and you register right. for your phone plan. Yeah. yeah that yeah. little card that you stick, a little chip that you stick in there. And so that early on was used for advertising. Right. So I use Waze, right, to get from point A to point B. That's how I got here. Okay. Right. And if I stopped at a stoplight, it will show me ads for restaurants or <gasps> uh, whatever that are right there, right? And there might be a discount. Hey, we're running a, you know, and how does it know that? Because it's tracking that location, right? And they sell that location data to vendors. When you download an app, any kind of app, you want to go in and turn off in your settings, the permissions for that app to have 
And you have to do uh, that with every single every single thing. one. Yeah. Um, so depending on whether you have an Apple or uh, Android, know, yeah, yeah. Uh, the settings are different. But, right. Um, and so, uh, a, you know, in my phone, it says like, I can block it. I can allow them to use the locational data only when I use it. Um, right. Uh, or turn it on. And so nothing I have is set to, you know, just unlimited tracking. Right. Um, but so all that data is collected. So it won't say this is Elliot Jardine's phone number. Um, it doesn't sell the phone number and it doesn't sell my name, but. Um, so it doesn't personally identify you. Well, in in a way, that data that's sold, no. Yeah. But then I can put that together. That's called aggregation, right? I can aggregate that data, uh, and so if I have access to ad tech data, I can layer it with a map. And I go to Google and I say, "Hmm, I wonder where he lives." And I type in the person's name, and then you know you, you see addresses, ad right? Okay. So then you have my home address. And then you go into the map and you draw a box that's called geofencing, okay. right? So we're drawing a box around that house and then boop, it's going to tell you all the subscriber ID numbers, right? And so, well, if I've got kids, you're going to see these subscriber ID numbers uh, go to a school. Because they're all associated with your address, right? Right. Okay. And so, yeah. okay. So if I've got two kids yeah. and a wife and... Two of them go to schools and then one goes someplace else. And then one goes to my office. It's pretty easy to figure out which one. Who is who. Right. And who's doing what. Right. And okay. so that data is available for as long as I've had that phone. For as long as you've had the phone? Yes. So, so who has that data? Is it on your it's not on your phone. No, because right. so, right. It's so the applications that are storing that information. Yes. Right? And the phone companies. Okay. Right. So, right. You have a phone and many times a second, it's pinging the local cell towers. Mm. Right. And it says, Hey, here I am. Do you have any messages for me? Do you have any phone calls for me? Right. Yeah. That's how it knows. That's how your phone rings. Right. Yeah. And so that constant many times a second, Hey, I'm here. I'm constant here. Constant communication. Here. Right. Okay. Then it's a footprint of everywhere you've been, everywhere you've gone, right? And so the software, if it's sophisticated enough, will let you see previous days. And so I don't remember what the exact date is, how far we can go back, but it's a number of years. Wow. Um, so the data is there um, and it's advertising data, but it's being used by lots and lots of people. Is it really that dangerous that it's being shared. Let's put it that way. Because from a company's perspective, like, yeah, they're able to, you know, sell you things, but it could, as they say, well, we want, you know, the customers to have a great experience. And um, you mentioned how you use ways to get here and give you ads from at a stoplight, like where you could go. I mean, isn't that beneficial? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, this kind of geolocational data, right? Yeah. Being able to fix someone's location. Uh, on the earth uh, can be super helpful, right? But we've got to be careful in how we use that and understand, right, who uses this information um, and what are they using it for? You know, it's commercially available data, so okay. people can buy it. And some companies are very rigorous in who they'll sell that data to. 
um, and others. So don't some care. of this data is open source to a degree because you can purchase it, right? Yeah. So if the public can purchase the data, then it's open source. Okay. Um, and so, right, so it, it can be used uh, pretty effectively. Um, where you run into trouble is when the, that company sells the data to a broker. Okay. And then that broker like sells- Like the middle person. Right. And right. they- So, and they'll sell it to anybody, right? And so now you gave Instagram- the permission to use your your data because right right we signed the privacy policy right but you don't know that they turn around and sell it to 25 other companies exactly one of my favorite OSINT tools is Google mm-hmm. <laughs> Google just knows so much and it sometimes knows what you don't know and it knows what um way more than you want to know we talked earlier about Google images so I was playing with that before we talked today um and it's a tool that it can also let you find websites for any picture that you enter, right? Mm-hmm. Like the original website, right. among other things. Um, from a privacy standpoint, how do we look at these sort of open source tools? Yeah, and so, you know, a long-held uh, or a long-established legal principle is if you're out in public, you mm-hmm. have no expectation of privacy, right? So um, if you're out, on the street it, yeah it's take then that's yeah that's open and fair game you you can take pictures you can take video you know a lot of times there are people who will video and, and they'll somebody will walk by and say you're not allowed to to use my footage delete that you yeah know? and no that's not how this works all right if i'm on private property that's a different story but if i'm on the sidewalk filming mm. runners going by in the street or then, you know whatever right and so uh, so, you know, careful what you post and then who you tag in those posts, right? And this goes not only for kids, but for parents, right? Yeah. We're all very proud of everything our kids do, but because once it's out on the internet, it could be there forever, right? Chances are. And so, you know, as young people, we all did stupid things, right? But I grew up in the previous millennia. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and that stuff wasn't around, right? So there are no videos of it's not documented on the web, right? There was no because it was right because <laughs> there wasn't. But that's a whole different reality today. Um, and so my concern is more in in putting all this information together. And as we right, and so the less information you put out there, the better are the better you are. A few years ago, Facebook was a big, they'd have these cute little, oh, what kind of personality are you? And then what kind of this or that? I think they, some people still do that stuff. Yeah. And, and so they'll ask some pretty interesting questions in there. Mm. Um, what was your first animal as a kid? Yes, right. And then, <laughs> and so a lot of those are actually password recovery prompt kind oh, of questions. Oh, for sure. Right. And so, right. So a lot of times you're giving away data that, you know. It's kind of like when you drive by and you'll see a minivan, right? And it's got Bob, Susie, Johnny, you know, and then kids, right? Yeah. So you see the parents and they have their oh, names. Their little pictures. Right. And then on the, the back. Little, yeah. And then the little pictures and the names of each kid and then the name of the cat or the dog or whatever. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, that's so right? detailed. That's data nobody needs to know. No. Stranger should be able to look at a car 
and call your kid by their name. Elliot, thanks for sharing all this awesome information with us today. Is there any last things you want to share, I guess, to prevent um, your information from being shared out there? Any last words or tips that you would give to our listeners? Uh, Yeah. So again, check your settings, right? So they don't need your geolocational data to function many times. Um, Be careful what you post. Think about what you post before you put it on there. And then... um, just in, in general, uh, keep in mind that anything that you post could be available for the rest of your life. If we posted a bunch of stuff that you did when you were seven to the internet, you probably at 14 wouldn't think that it's that's something amusing at all. And then, you know, parents as well. So I'd encourage kids have a conversation, right? Mom, I don't want you to put my stuff up there. Yeah. Right. Because um, and that's a valid reason. It's a valid Um, request. Right. Thanks again so much. Those were awesome tips that you shared and great information in general. Um, Stay tuned, everyone, for a video of Elliot and I, and we are going to show you how to hack this week's episode challenge. So come back and join us. That's our show. Thanks so much for being a part of our community. We can't wait to see how you do with this week's episode challenge. Go to the CyberChats podcast page on our website at www.cryptologicfoundation.org to find this week's challenge, submit a question, and join our focus group to help improve the podcast. You can watch more of this podcast on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to hear more. And check out the show notes for more details and links. This podcast is made possible by the Chilton Foundation.